here we are again, Father, um, together in your presence. There's really nowhere else to go uh, but to you. And you were so willing. You were so able. And so, Father, um, come and meet us right where we're at. Speak to us right where we're at. Um, Give us hope. Encourage us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit uh, to persevere, to endure, uh, to love ourselves like you love us and to love other people the way that you love us. So, Father, just have your way as we spend some time uh, under your incredible authoritative word. And uh, we thank you for some time like this, Lord. Uh, we need it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, thanks for being here. My name is Joe, and I get to open the word today. You know, I cannot care about or focus on things that I don't know. Do you agree with that statement? I can't really care about. I can't really focus on things that I don't know. But I can care about and focus on things that I do know. And I think one of the effects that the book of Revelation, which is a series we're in right now, is having on me is clarity. It's helping me kind of land where at some, in some points in my practical theology, I haven't really landed. And so you're going to hear a little bit from a 66-year-old man who has walked with him for 47 years that is still trying to land. But I've landed someplace as a result of the book of Revelation, and I want to share that with you today. Uh, So thank you for being here. Thank you for the honor and the privilege um, of um, hanging out with you for a little while this morning. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 17. It's a wild chapter. Um, The page is turned in uh, John's revelation in in the words that he's being given by these angels, these visions, these signs, these symbols, these things are crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that the Marvel movies all stole from the book of Revelation. It is so powerful. It is so like, oh, I didn't see that coming. And so we're here again in Revelation chapter 17. And so you can follow around along silently while I read aloud. The words will be on the screen. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bulls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute. Did we say that word in church? The notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. What does that even mean? The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. This does not feel like church right now. Then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. Remember that word, wilderness, okay? I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. Wow! 
The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead was a name, was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of detestable things on the earth. Then I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. Is this in the Bible? When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel turned to me and said, John, why are you so astonished? I love that interchange there. Like, what's wrong with you, John? Why are you so astonished? I, I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast and the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Okay? Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. That, that phrase right there always bothers me. I'm like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm going to need some help with some wisdom here, Holy Spirit. Anybody else, when you read this stuff? You're like, and, and as, the, as the person teaching this morning, I feel like I should know something right now. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that Jesus is my wisdom. The wisdom does not originate here. It's given to us in Christ Jesus. So this calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings. Okay. Five have fallen. Oh boy, here we go. We're going to get confusing. Five have fallen. One is the other has not come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king. Oh, Seven, ten, eight. Which is it, right? Are you following me? But it belongs to the seven. Oh, okay. Well, then why didn't you just say eight? And it's going to destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings. Okay, why didn't you just say eighteen kings? Anybody following me? You feeling me here? are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. Whoa. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. Verse 14. These will make war against the lamb. How is a lamb going to stand? A lamb? That's what you got, God? These will make war against the Lamb, but the Lord will conquer because He is a Lord of lords and He is a King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. He also said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. Whoa. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. 
For God has put it into their hearts to carry out this plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman you saw is the, is the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. And if you would turn the page and go to chapter 18, you'll have to wait till next week and hear Pastor Chad teach on that. I'm going to stop at this point because I want to make sure today you and I have plenty of time for this. We need this. We need to be reminded of this. He alone is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's what, we, that's what I know. There's a lot of things I don't know. I know that. Are you with me? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, man, let's, let's not just kind of make communion a thing that we do kind of at the end of things. Let's make it central to our being, the, the, what is represented there. Okay? I'm still going to preach a little while. You need to be happy at this point. Because I am. So we need a little context here. We need, we need to go back and, like Chad likes to say, we need to see where those, what, what we just read, should ring some bells in our head about something that was going on earlier in the book of Revelation and actually in the prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. I'm not going to go back there, but I am going to go back in the book of Revelation to find out where these themes come from, okay? And the first one that we're going to do, we're going to pan way back in chapter 1, and we're going to look at some passages that set the stage that needs to be remembered every time you read the book of Revelation, okay? Are you ready? We're in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, that is Jesus, who was just... A, just seen by John and, and presented in all this grandeur, when I saw him, Jesus, John is talking, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He, Jesus, laid his hand, his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I know that Jesus says that to me. There's a lot I don't know. But Jesus says to Joe McConkie, do not, Joe, be afraid. I need, to, I need to remember that. I don't know about you. There's so much to fear. There's so much chaos in our world. Would you agree? There's so much hatred and so much division and so much fighting in our culture. Would you agree? And I don't know what to think. There's a lot I don't know, but I do know that he is king of kings and lord of lords. I do know that he laid his right hand on the apostle John and, and, and that vicariously on your shoulder as a believer in Christ and says, do not fear. And why shall I not fear? Because I am the first and I am the last, Jesus says. And I am the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. That's what I do know. I know who holds the keys. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know all the details. I don't know any of the dates. <laughs> but I know who wins. And I know who holds authority in my life and in your life. And in my family's life. And in my city's life, in our region, our state, our nation, our world. I know who holds the keys, huh? Anybody else need to know some things? Need to remember some things? 
Therefore, write, John, what you have seen, past tense, what is, what's going on right now, and what will take place after this. I think the entire book of, of Revelation is to be re read with that in mind. What has been, what is, and what's going to come. Not just what's in the past, not just what is happening, not, not just what's in the future. All of it. We need to think about it. We need to think about the past. We need to think about the present. We need to think about the, poor, uh, the, the future. I know that. Because that's when I read it, I need to read it through the lens of verse 19 in chapter 1. The mystery of the seven stars. I just want to, the only reason I'm reading this sentence is because of the word stars. I'll explain why. The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels. Stars are angels, okay, of the seven churches. So when John is writing his apocalyptic literature, whenever we see stars, we need to think what? Angels. Very good. Very good. And the seven lampstands are seven churches. Okay. Now, we're going to go back and we're going, to, we're going to find out who the beast is that we're talking about in chapter 17 now, okay? That's what we're going to find out in, in chapter 12. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to pause very much, but I want bells to go off so that we can understand chapter 17 more because there's some things we need to know. Okay? So Revelation chapter 12 says this, A great sign appeared in heaven... A woman clothed with the sun. Now, did we read about a woman in chapter 17? Yes, we did. It's going to be important to remember that John parallels this woman in chapter 12 with the woman in chapter 17. It's going to be important. Okay, just trust me on that one. Okay, so there's a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign. There's a great sign and there's another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon. I love Revelation. It's like comes alive for me. It's like puts flesh on this, this stuff. I need to know about this stuff. So this other sign appeared to John, and as he sees this vision, there was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. Where did I just ding, ding, ding hear that? And he had seven crowns on, that, on his head. Verse 4, its tail swept a third of the stars. What are the stars? A third of them? swept a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. What does that mean? And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son. Our translation uses capital S, and I think it's correct. Mary, the virgin, gave birth. And there was stuff going on in the heavens. There was great signs in the heavens. <laughs> there were other signs in the heavens. There was this dragon in the heavens. There's this work going on that we 
have as a mystery in many ways. But there's things I do know that Mary came and gave birth to a son. And he called him Emmanuel. God is against us? The opposite. I know that God is for you, and I know that God is for me in Christ Jesus. I need to know that. I'm getting a little fired up. <laughs> so she gave a birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod. Old Testament from Psalm 2 in through Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for, for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, in case you're wondering who the dragon is, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. So one thing I do know is that Satan is alive and well on planet earth, as are his angels, now called fallen angels. I do know that. And I do know from this text that he is the deceiver. He is going to cause havoc and chaos anywhere and everywhere he can in individuals' lives and relationships, in big, broad strokes, in cities or counties or states or nations or globe. Has he done it? I know he has. These are some things I know. Let's, let's just focus on things we know. You see, because I can't care about and focus on things I do not know. Right? But I can care about and focus on things that I do know. I don't know about you, but in this world, I need some clarity. <laughs> and that's why we love the Word. That's why we love the Spirit. That's why we love Jesus, the Word, who has made flesh, dwelling, tabernacling among us. And if you're a believer in Jesus, he dwells in you. You are the temple of the living God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6. That's where the temple is. That's where the presence of God is in your soul and your being. I know that. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come, been born. Merry Christmas on this hot day in September. I get to preach on Christmas Eve. I, this might be my text. Right out of Revelation. have now come because the accuser of the brothers, he's not only, I know that he's not only a deceiver, I know that he's also an accuser. He wants me to feel guilty and shame. Anybody ever dealt with guilt or shame? If you haven't, you just not have been awake. You just haven't had coffee for a long time. I mean, to live in this world is to feel shame and, and be afraid because I just don't measure up. Anybody ever feel like they measure up for more than, you know, one or two days? I mean, come up here, we'll worship you, right? <laughs> right? I mean, we are so lost. Your pastor is so lost. 
You, I, I can probably say that your pastors are so lost. I know them well. <laughs> so much of what we do, we, don't not, we do not intend to have our fingerprints on and, and for it to be man-made, but so much of what we end up doing is just know that, that we know that about us. But we also know who holds the keys. And we also know where to lead you to, not to us, but to him. Well, you know who to make a big deal about, and it's not us. And so uh, he's an accuser, and he accuses the, brother and the, the brothers and sisters night and day before God. And so uh, he has been thrown down. That's the end of verse 10. Now, verse 11, they conquered him, you believers, you people that are faithful to the Lord, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Now, you might believe in him, but you might die. So do not have the wrong set of expectations as a follower of Christ in this chaotic, evil space called planet Earth. Does anybody ever get tired of, of reading the carrying bridges? I mean, your heart just sinks. Right now, Mary Beth and I are reading three carrying bridges, people that we know that are going through some really hard times, and it's like, that's heavy, so heavy. You know, a 10-year-old boy up in River Falls, the brain tumor, right? Going through surgeries and chemo. His family trying to hold on. Just had a friend of ours who, uh, his nephew, seven-year-old nephew, they were at the cabin and they had a pool in their, at their cabin and the little seven-year-old lost his life two days ago, right? And now we're reading the caring bridge of just this family and anguish. Um, it's hard. It's heavy. It's evil. But with all of that, there's this hope, right? There's this hope that, that overtakes everything. I know that I have hope in Jesus Christ. And I know that these families have hope in Jesus Christ alone. And, and that doesn't necessarily take away the pain, but it gives it a different tone. It gives us, it gives us some new definition. Anyway, so therefore... Rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. I think this is an interesting thing in this verse. Because the next part of the verse says, but woe to you, earth and the sea. You see, Satan's been kicked out of heaven. He ain't up here no more. And we are rejoicing up here. And those saints who have died before, they're rejoicing up here because they don't have to mess with him anymore. Not y'all, according to this verse. If you're still living, woe to you. Wait a minute, I'm a believer in Jesus and I, and I go to Sunday school. Nothing should ever happen to me, right? We need to toughen up here a little bit, y'all. We are living in enemy territory. Bad things are going to happen to really good people. That needs to be the expectation, <laughs> See, we can I, I can deal with truth. I can deal with what I know. And the Bible says that if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, that there is going to be struggling and suffering for this man in this world. 
So my expectation is that there is going to be struggle. My expectation is also that I get to be full of hope because of what Christ has done and who he is in my life. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you with great fury. You know, it was bad enough to hear the word woe in the sentence, right? But he's got great fury. I know that. That's why I have to remember back to verse 17 and 18 in the first chapter. Don't be afraid, Joe. Don't be afraid, John. Look, I got my right hand on your shoulder. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive. And I hold the keys to death and to Hades. There's nothing that I don't have authority over, Joe. Even the fury on planet Earth. My fear for us is that so many times we end up fighting the wrong fight. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. Remember great fury? Mother the Mary of... Mary the mother of Jesus. Well, I almost got that one messed up. Glad you weren't listening. The uh, Great fury, even to her, right? I mean, of all people on the planet, shouldn't she get a little bit of break? You would think, if she's not going to get a break, how about you and me? <laughs> so I should anticipate it to be hard. I should anticipate that there would be great fury around me because the Bible teaches it. That's what I know. I don't have some platitude faith. I don't have some faith that's built on some platitudes. Of what I, it's not Hallmark Christianity, y'all. What's the name of that channel I don't like? Well, Maribeth's not in here. What, say that again. Lifetime. How did you know? <laughs> right? It's like, you know, they, there's turmoil and they kiss. And you know, when they start kissing, you know, there's about two more minutes left in the, in the show. <laughs> right? It doesn't always end that way. Right? Anyway, that's a side. It wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> you think I have notes. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle, we're in verse 14, so that she could fly from the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness. Do you see that it says that the woman was given? You don't, you don't, get, you, you don't get to just say, um, two wings, please. You get what God gives you. And he gives you all you need. This is a key biblical principle. I know that I don't always get what I want. I, sometimes I don't even get what I think I need. Anybody? She was given two wings of a great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent's presence to her place in the wilderness. There's, another, there's a word again. Where she was nourished for a times, times, and a half time. From this 
From his mouth, a serpent spewed water. I love this little sentence right here. From his mouth, a serpent spewed. Listen, close your eyes and think about this. The serpent spewed water like a river flowing after the woman. You can see it just this gushing water out of his mouth to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth, I love this, but the earth helped the woman who is over the earth. Satan might be on the earth, but he's not over it. I need to know that. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon had spewed, spewed from his mouth. So the dragon was furious. <clears throat> I'm so glad that he gets furious, huh? I, I don't know. I, I just thought, when I see trash talk in Scripture, I just love it. <laughs> can you see, just, see the angels? I don't know how the father dances. But you know, they're just like, <laughs> did you see that? See what she, he tried to do that? It didn't happen. <laughs> you know, they're going like this. The, but Satan is ticked off. He's furious with the woman and went off to, listen to this. Oh, my goodness. He went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Dang it. You see what the Bible says? You're a target. Well, isn't it non-believers are the target? <laughs> Not according to the Bible. Listen, listen to what the last phrase says. The rest of her offspring, dash, those who keep the commands of God and hold firmly to the testimony about Jesus. That's where Satan is going. After you. Anybody want to become a follower of Jesus right now? <laughs> right? It's not very evangelistic. I don't, you know what? I just, I think the, the, the beautiful thing about the Bible is it's just blunt about stuff. It's hard to follow Jesus in enemy territory. It just is. It's all, it always has been, it is, it always will be. I know that. I need to know that. That's why I need Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Don't be afraid. I'm the beginning and the end. I got you. I hold you. The dragon stood on the sand of the sea, chapter 13, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. On its horns were ten crowns. I thought it was a dragon, now it's a beast. Woo! Maybe there's some overlap. And on its heads were blasphemous names. The beast I saw was like a leopard, its feet like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority. One of, the heads, uh, one of its heads appeared to be fatally wounded, but... Its fatal wound was healed. Does, any, does anything ring a bell in Genesis chapter 3 that the offspring that would come through Eve sometime would be, the offspring would be bit on the heel, but that the offspring from Mary, the Messiah, would crush the serpent's head? It's interesting. It's, the imagery here is to, is to ring bells in the Old Testament and, and what God from the beginning said was going to happen. 
And so here is the dragon, the beast, trying to imitate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is really what's happening in this text. I want to be raised from the dead. I know that you crushed me, but I want to be healed. And so the Lord says, what? The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. I'm not following him. You would if it wasn't for Jesus. You need to be so grateful. I need to be so grateful because I have eyes that see and ears that hear this message, you guys. If it was not apart from the gracious, merciful act of God to give Joe McConkie the ability to have a heart that wants to conceive things beyond myself given to me through um, my, my mercy-filled Father in heaven, if I did not have a heart like that or ears that can hear, eyes that can see, I would not. And so because you do, you have to realize that you are indeed saved by mercy and by grace. It is nothing that you have ever done to deserve it. I don't mind amens. It gives me a chance to take a breath. <laughs> so, the, so the whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. Do you wonder why we're in such chaos in the world? Are any bells going off with anybody as we think about such things? It's because the beast is in control. Apart from the kingdom of God that is being slowly built through the body of Christ. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against it? Look how powerful the beast is. The beast was given a mouth. See, see this? this, this is, don't, don't miss the verb. Given a mouth. To utter boasts and blasphemies. He was allowed to exercise authority, authority for 42 months. It began to speak blasphemies against uh, God to blaspheme his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And it was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. It was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. This is a worldwide global enemy that we have. Alive and well in your house, around your soul, if you're a believer in Christ, pursuing you with fury. All those who live on the earth will worship it. We don't mean to worship it, probably do we? But we get deceived, don't we? We get enticed, don't we? Anybody in the room not ever be deceived or enticed to maybe worship something other than Jesus Christ? Everybody needs to raise their hand. Yes, is the biblical answer. All of us are in need of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our only hope. And when you say yes to Jesus, he comes and he puts his hand on your shoulder and says, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. I'm all over it. You belong to me. All those who live on the earth, verse 8, will worship at every... One who has, whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. 
If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive into captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword, he will be killed. Look at this last phrase, and then we'll get back into 17 just for a moment. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. I know that. God is telling me, he's telling you in Christ, endure. Endure the the challenges. Anybody not have a challenge? I'll give you a few. Be happy. Endure. Be faithful. Have your allegiance to him. Let's quickly go back, and we're going to land this aircraft, but I want to go back to Revelation 17 just for a bit. One of the seven angels, verse 1, one of the seven angels had the seven bulls. So one of these that just came that we learned about in chapters 15 and 16, one of these angels came. He says, come, I'm going to show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who was seated on many waters. The kings of the earth, I want you to remember this phrase, the kings of the earth. I might have a chance to end with that. Committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. By the way, sexual immorality in this particular text is used as a metaphor, just like it was used in Isaiah chapter 17, just like it's used in Ezekiel, just like it's used in the entire book of Hosea in the Old Testament. It's a metaphor. Now, there are other places where very specifically it's talking about sexual immorality as the sin in the book, in Revelation chapter uh, 20 and 22, if you want to go look. There's lists in there, and anybody who continues to practice sexual immorality will not be included, okay? Uh, Along with murderers and along with those people who just continue to systemically lie their way through life. It's a list. This here is used as a metaphor. You see, we're sexual beings. We're a sexual uh, community of human beings, right? We, We just are. And so the analogy works. The enticement that comes from sexual immorality really works. So so using this metaphor to get our attention about how easy it is for us to fall under the influence of an idol. And we are idol manufacturers. We can make an idol out of air, can't we? carried me away in the spirit to the wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on scarlet beast. I just want to just parallel here for a minute. We're, we are going to land, I promise. Although I don't have my pilot license. Might be a little rough. I want you to remember back in chapter 12, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is seen as being dressed from heaven, sun and moon and stars. Do you remember that? That was her clothing. Do you see how the prostitute is is dressed here? She's dressed with everything from below or everything from the earth. The enticements of this earth, the wealth of this earth, the deceitfulness of money and power. You and I are constantly thinking about what it would be like if we just had more power or more money. Huh? Am I alone? I mean, right? It'd be nice, right? And and, and then when we get some, then what we're worried about is two things, getting more and making sure that we're really secure with what we do have. 
and that can become an idol. It can become an idol. Trust me as a man that's going to retire in about six months. I'm thinking about such things. Don't get my wife started. <laughs> How are we going to do this? I don't know. But what I do know... Oh, man. So I want to end by talking about, I'm not going to get, you kinda, you'll have an opportunity to go back to Revelation chapter 17 at some point. All sorts of bells are just going to go off for you. But I want to end um, by talking about fighting the right fight. I think most of us in this room are tempted to fight the wrong fight. And so in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, and it'll be on the screen. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. What a great statement. Be strengthened by Him and His vast strength. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the beast, the dragon, the prostitute. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. It's a, it's, our battle is against this fallen angel called Lucifer, called Satan, called the devil, and his one-third of the population of angels that are, that are dwelling on this planet called demons. And they're very organized. They, they have tactics, and they have strategy, and they have plans, and they have designs to take you and me out. And to keep the rest of the non-believing world deceived. The reason why so many people don't come to know Christ is because they're blinded by the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, if you want to text on that. They're blinded. They can't even see. If you see, if you have a heart that believes in Jesus, that did not originate from you. You were given that gift. And so far, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I, this phrase, more than any other phrase, has got me out of trouble and, or kept me out of trouble in so many situations, and particularly in our world today. I, I just feel like you and I are constantly sucked into battles that are not the right fight to fight. And we need to, you know, not, not to be too blunt, but you need to stop that. I need to stop that. I need to change that in my life. I need to recognize that my battle is not against CNN or Fox News, or my battle is not against Republicans. My battle is not against the Democrats. My battle is not against a, someone from another denomination. My battle is not against gay people. My battle is not against people that continue to rape us in the area of our financial world. That's not where our battle is. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, y'all. It's against these principalities, and we need to fight with 
arsenal that is divinely powerful to take down these strongholds, and you do not possess that apart from Jesus Christ. And so you need to begin fighting the right fight. And then if the worship team would come up, we're gonna, and, the, and those that are going to serve, oh, you're, you're almost ready. Don't come up yet. Don't come, oh, no, you come up, not those people in the back. <laughs> good thing I was a baseball player. I had some good signals going on right there. I want us to look at this passage in Galatians. I, you know, this might sound weird, but I've wanted to share this passage more than any other passage for American Christians the last 38 years of my pastoral ministry. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, says this, For you were called to be free. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. If you're an American, you have great freedom. And you have great resources. It says in this text that the temptation is to use those resources for our flesh. And it's not said that in this particular place because it's not true. It's said because it's true. Be careful. But we're to serve one another through love. Now verse 14 says this, For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, Love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting. You want to fight a battle? Fight the battle of the hatred that you have that you can so easily have towards people that wants you to fight the wrong fight. The battle needs to be for your heart to love other people the way that God loves you. Doesn't mean that you're not honest with them. Doesn't mean that you don't speak the truth, but you speak that truth in great power and right. No, you speak the truth in love. Then verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. And I fear that's happening in the body of Christ. It's certainly happening in the world, but it needs to stop happening in the body of Christ. It needs to stop happening in the body of Christ. Not just within our church family, but other believers in our community and beyond. That's the wrong battle. And I'm not saying sell your theological farm. Don't hear me say that. I'm saying the way to move forward is always through the power of kindness and love and mercy. Not this other stuff that just doesn't work. Anybody with me? All right, let's be together. Let's come on and have some communion. Jesus um, died and he rose again for a purpose. To change your life, to change my life, to give us a heart that actually is like his heart. So secure about our past, our present, and our future. You know that little phrase in the end of 1 Corinthians 13, but the greatest of these is love. Remember that? Let, let me give a little context for that. The very last phrase in chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, what, what's the next chapter after 1 Corinthians 12? I'm just seeing if anybody's listening. 13 comes after 12. The very last statement in 
chapter 12 says, I will show you still a more excellent way. And what he's talked about in 12 is all these spiritual gifts, wonderful things, but they're not the way. It's not the most excellent way. And then he turns and, and, and we get the entire book of, or the entire chapter of 13, which is on love. And it starts out, hey, don't, don't, don't just be all loud. You know, don't, don't be haughty. He says, there's three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. God wants you in that cup that you have and in that bread underneath that juice. God wants you to be so secure in his love. He wants you to be so secure in your love so that you can have hope so that you can face your realities because Jesus has laid his hand on your shoulder and says, don't be afraid. I've got you. You can face whatever is coming before you. You can hope because I love you and you're secure in me. And you can have faith. And I think faith in this, in that particular passage means you can be present. Have you ever not been present sometime in these last few days? Just off. That does no good, does it? I need my wife to be present for me, and she needs me to be present for her. I need my friends to be present, and, and they need me to be present. They need to be, me to be secure in the love of Jesus Christ. Anybody else need this? Because I have, a, I have a horizon to face that's really hard, and I need a hope. And then I can be present because I have this faith, and... And the faith that really matters is faith that expresses itself in love. And so that's what's in your hand right now. And so if you haven't separated the cups, please do that. Would you do? I can't get mine. Oh, God, there you go. This represents Jesus Christ, the one who holds the keys to death and to Hades. The one who loves you so much that he gave his life for you. I want you to take and eat this in remembrance of him. This is something I know. I know Jesus died and rose again and loves me. He wants to have a relationship with me. I also know that in this blood that every one of my sins, woo, every one of my sins has been taken care of on the cross. Anything I've done in the past, anything that I'm doing now, anything that I'm going to do in the future has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to say amen to that? And thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's take and drink it in remembrance of Jesus. Just stand.